0: A lot of people think that you should install a garden in spring, which is completely wrong.
1: No, it must be in winter.
0: In winter, but it's just as good, but I always say now. Because whenever now is, means the plants can get in the ground and become established.
1: Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. It's that time, yes, for another wonderful episode of Grounded about things all green and green. Gorgeous and beautiful in the garden and, of course, in our environment. And I suppose that's what a lot of life is about, having a space that you can go out to and enjoy. It's not just about growing stuff, although many of us have got this whole nurturing need, you know, not just growing children, but growing plants. And the amount of time as I spend going to people and saying, when you take your plant home, you have to remember you have to treat it like a child. It's been here in nursery school where it's been fed and watered all the time and pampered. Now, when you take it home, You can't just go and put it in a hostile environment and water it once a week. (laughs) You've got to look after it. So it is a whole nurturing thing. It's also about using probably what is, I'd say, for most homes these days, the biggest space space. That you have, which then makes it the biggest room. So of course, it's always good to speak to the people who are the experts and find out what they have to say about how to make your outdoor spaces work, which is why we have got Craig Denecker, the MD from The Friendly Plant, coming and joining us. And it's good to see you again, it's always lovely to see this friendly face. <laughs> Hi Melanie, thanks very much for having me. Okay, now Craig, you actually grow plants, is that where it all started for you?
0: Yeah, so it started way back 1995, uh, sure, that takes me, that takes me back where I started growing plants with the aim of selling them on a wholesale level. So being a, a plant factory, for for, into a better term. Mm-hmm. So I started with that, selling to nurseries, selling to landscapers. So we started exporting up into Africa, into the Middle East. And then in 2006, I started with the landscaping just to provide a more professional service than what generally one has in the industry. Uh, it's a very informal industry, and mm-hmm. a lot of people will sign up for a new garden based on a, a hand sketch and a promise. And we don't work like that. We like everything to be accounted for and, and a lot of detail in what we do.
1: But hang on a second. You didn't train as a horticulturalist or as a landscape designer, did you? What did you train as again? What, uh, what are you? I've got
0: a BCom, so <laughs> <laughs> I know about debits and credits. But I've always been a creative person. So, yeah. um, And I've always been outdoorsy and I've always enjoyed the plant environment. So I had a lot of plant experience. I learned a lot about the plants just from the growing side of things. Mm. And then It all started off at one point in time, a girlfriend of mine at the time whose parents were looking to have a new garden installed, but they also enjoyed their gardening. So they asked if I could design something for them Mm -hmm. and then they would buy the plants from me. And I did that and was very successful. They loved the task of actually installing it themselves and, and looking back at the end of the day and seeing something that they've now done themselves. But at the same time, they had my guidance and um, a plan to work off. So the first plan I did was was on a PC, so it's always been CAD software, so we can more accurately place the plants, work out square meterages more accurately than one would be able to by doing a hand drawing. Mm-hmm. And of course, if there are alterations to be done,
1: it's easy. Changes,
0: it's much easier than trying to redraw everything or try and rub out, it Just it's a whole different world. So in 2006 I started with that and then I was the guy with the the bucky and I took some of my labour force from the farm and we started installing gardens. So we started with Eagle Canyon Golf Estates down the road from us so Mm -hmm. that was a nice easy place to start
1: And uh, but were you mainly going and designing just putting plants in was it like right from the very beginning the hard landscaping aspects of everything as well or when you were a plants guy at this stage
0: and a number cruncher that's
1: a pretty (laughs) and a marketer I enjoy marketing That's,
0: that's, (laughs) that's, that's one of the things I really enjoy a lot so at that point in time, it was mainly planting, uh, a little bit of cobble edging and basic paving and, and that type of thing. It mm-hmm. wasn't really the, the service that we offer now. We've come a long way. But... Back in those days, Eagle Canyon was a nice nearby place to start, and they were kind enough to have these boards outside each stand with the phone number and the name of the owner of each stand. So it was it was <laughs> Like quite, shooting bish- of barrels. Uh, yeah? <laughs> a bit easier, perhaps. It was very easy to... And I just drove through the state. Um, I'd make a note of each house and see at what stage they are, when I should phone them, if they already plastered and painted the house I'd phone them that day if it was a house that we've only just poured the foundations. Um, I'd make a note for a month or two's time, mm. bearing in mind I needed time to design as well. It's not just about arriving with a truckload of plants. Then after two years, 2008, one of your favorite gardens of ours, um, was at the spring festival at Garden World, which was the first time that I designed a fire pit area mm. and. We had done outdoor spaces before, but not quite on that kind of level where it was a proper designer outdoor space. Most of our clients tend to lead busy lives, as I think most people do nowadays, because you're constantly on the phone, with it's email or messaging people and all these crisis groups every company seems to have. (laughs) So there's not a a lot of free time available. So... Mm. While you have a lot of people who enjoy gardening, you get a lot more people who like spending time in the garden, but not actually doing it themselves, not as part of the labor force, more Mm. as just enjoying the environment. So from probably 2007 and then 2008 onwards, it became a bigger thing for us to do a lot more outdoor living spaces. So it's it's far more about a destination in the garden. If you're sitting in... Outdoor room. Outdoor room, definitely. So it's a part of the house and the more seamless a transition one can make between the house and the garden, the better. Having an outdoor space... Like a little patio, just a little paved circle or a pathway is something that's inviting enough to pull you away from the TV and out into the garden. Then if you look at having a little fire pit area, it's a water feature to add some sound to the garden or even a full-on outdoor kitchen will make your garden environments a place that you want to spend time Mm. rather than uh, just having a purely planted up garden. If you're not an avid gardener, you can look out the window every half an hour when there's an ad break or you're changing programs just to see that there's a garden there. You're Mm. not going to fully enjoy what a garden can offer. And we also find by... Having those destinations in the garden where people go out, they spend more time in their gardens now where they had no idea of uh, what the names of the plants were or what color flowers they get, they they take an interest because now they're spending the time in the garden and just by general observation, you start learning about Mm, these things. mm. And then it follows that the kids start getting involved and they want to plant something. Then they start planting a little veggie garden and it's actually quite a nice, rewarding thing to see how people become more interested in the gardens and outdoor spaces. Yeah. So yeah.
1: what, as you said, I mean, one of my favorite gardens, and this is the one thing I like about the designs that you come up with. And this is why I always wind you up about the fact that you haven't even studied garden design. <laughs> and everybody thinks, oh no, if you're going to design stuff, you need to actually have the degree behind you or the diploma. But your hard landscaping is just absolutely sublime. I don't think I've ever seen it done quite in such a way that it feels like it's always been there, number one. And that it is comforting, not the hard edges. And it's just one of those places that really says, come and sit down with me and hang out here. And that's what I love about it. And your planting, obviously, I mean, just is sublime as well. So it all fits together very, very well. (laughs) So, so sorry, just like a little (laughs) bit of a, a pat on the back there for you. But the one thing that I've always found fascinating is the amount of people who want to do it themselves. How often do you have people who have done the DIY and then gotten hold of you because they've realised that they've made a complete hash of it.
0: It happens quite often because generally, what happens is in our industry. And if you look at spring as a as a good indicator, a lot of people think that you should install a garden in spring, which is completely
1: wrong. No, it must be in winter.
0: In winter, but it's just as good. But I always say now because whenever now is means the plants can get in the ground and become established. Yes the perception is that winter is a terrible time to plant because we have frost. But those plants exist. They exist in the nursery or where they are growing now. They're still going to experience winter. Mm. Rather, let them... If they're going to have hail damage or if they're going to have frost damage, that doesn't really make any difference if it's in your garden or in a nursery environment. Mm. But the benefit is that once they're established in your garden, as soon as that weather starts to turn, they start to produce more leaves, more little flowers, and there's extra growth Mm. that happens at that time of year, uh, which you kind of lose out on if you wait until September. However, a lot of people, especially in today's society with Netflix and the internet being what it is, spend a lot of time indoors. And the only time they start venturing outdoors after winter is when spring comes. So And then
1: everybody rushes off to the nearest garden well, center they, to go and buy everything and put it in the ground.
0: They walk outside and they see what there is. And <laughs> they they want to invite the Joneses around for a bra. And they look around and they say, oh, this is embarrassing. We can't possibly... And you know, we've got a fancy car in the driveway, or we've everything else looks fantastic. We've got our kitchens just being redone and our bathrooms. You know all the things that people would normally spend mm. money on, and yet the garden is the first thing you see when you arrive. It's the last thing you see when you leave the property. It actually adds value, and with every year, it gets better and better. Your car gets scratched and it gets dinged, and it, uh, it loses over time. its value. Your, yeah. your house needs constant repainting, and it's just not as good an investment as your garden, and. What happens then is they say, well, okay, let's go to the nursery and see what plants we can get to zhuzh up the garden a little bit for the, the Jones's brine. And when they get to the nursery, they're trying to explain their garden to someone who's got no idea, never been to their garden before, so they're trying in their best to say, well, maybe this plant, maybe that plant. And a person selling them the plant will know uh, how big it gets and the right spacings mm-hmm. and it's difficult to convey all of that in a in a 10 minute talk uh, informally at a garden center. So they'll spend a few thousand rand on plants and that'll be enough to almost fill their boot. So they're spending a lot of money on plants <laughs> yeah. which ultimately there's a high risk involved because they don't know the right places to plant them, right planting practice. Uh, so they get home, they sort of put the plants around the garden and there's no critical mass. There's nothing that says I've spent 10,000 rand on mm-hmm. plants. So it's just there's a plant and there's an little gap there that's now got a plant in. But if you hadn't been there the day before, you wouldn't notice anything has been done. So then they started looking on the internet and where they were going to just put a couple of plants in to fill up a few beds. They start uh, seeing Pinterest and Instagram and just uh, general websites on gardening and, and landscaping. And then they come across a page like ours. Our website's got almost 500 photographs of our work and it's completely different, every garden is different mm. and a lot of those gardens have got those designer outdoor spaces, those destinations in the garden. So where you were going to spend a few thousand rand on plants, you now say, sure, I'd love to have that fire pit area, I'd love to have an outdoor kitchen. A water feature, we've got a pool but a pool with, without any moving water is either the, the clickety clack of the of the pool cleaner… You're um, creepy
1: going around, pretty much,
0: pretty <laughs> much. And you don't have a sense of that movement, that tranquil water environment. It's just a big bucket with with water in it. So Mm. even a simple thing like adding a a water feature into your pool piping that pours back into the pool adds a significant amount of um, mood and atmosphere to the area. Mm. And it doesn't have to cost you the earth. And you can also install a garden in in phases. It's not something that has to all be done in day one, but… If you start off without a, a grand plan, it's going to be very bitsy, and you're never really going to get that that critical mass where you know this
1: is it. I've now got what I what I need. So it's one of those things that you should actually be thinking about. Obviously, if you move into a house and you've got an established garden already, then you have to work within those parameters. You don't want to go and rip down all the big trees no. and etc. Things like that. So if you're moving into a new property, the amount of people that are saying, "Oh, well, we're having a whole bunch of alterations done at our house. Do you want to come around and have a look?" At the garden. And I'm like, well, tell me when you're finished with the alterations. I'll come and have a look at the size that you've got. But until you've got everything finished, okay, I'm not touching the garden. No, you can't. Because everything is just going to get hammered. The first thing that gets destroyed in a garden where there's been building, of course, is the soil. And we've had this conversation with so many different designers and horticulturalists who say, before we do anything, 70% of the garden and making sure the garden is a success is getting the soil right first. Do you agree with that? I
0: agree. that You know, when, you, when you're doing building work, one of the biggest issues you have is getting rid of rubble. Mm. And even though pretty much any quote to do with building will have a line item or a section dedicated to rubble removal, not all Building contractors are completely honest with that and quite often they'll dig a hole. They'll use that soil to fill an area or mark out even spaces using little ridges with with the soil. But they will use the hole to discard all the rubble and that's not a good thing to plant. It's extremely difficult planting when you're removing bricks the whole time. Yep. And the cement is really not doing your garden, even your lawn is going to take strain with cement. So yeah, it's ideally you want to get rid of all the rubble. You want to get rid of any areas where they've mixed concrete you just don't want any of that stuff in the planting where you're
1: going to have beds or lawn areas. Mm. Okay, so that's the number one thing is getting the soil right. What happens if somebody's come into an established garden and some of the stuff is nice, but then you've got a whole bunch of stuff which is just kind of like scrambled egg? What would be your first thing to those people to say to them what they should do first?
0: What we normally would do in a situation like that, we, we try not to just clear out everything and start from the beginning again. We try and use what is there. And especially plants that are the grassy type of structures, plants, things like dietes and agapanthus, those types of plants transplant very, very easily. Mm -hmm. And when you transplant in them, if you split them, you can take up many times the space with that same plant. So that's an easy way to get the most out of what exists. Obviously, there's a labor component, so you're going to be spending money
1: on labor, but it's a lot cheaper than... Then redoing all your plants. But interestingly enough, whenever people talk to me about, you know, what kind of plants can you use for dividing? And, and they're always asking, like, you know, if we're working at a retail place and they say, so what is the best way to propagate? And you're sitting there thinking, well, I shouldn't be really telling them how to do this because obviously <laughs> that the place is one and you, the friendly plant, you want to sell yeah, plants. How dealing. do you feel about telling people how to divide and propagate their own plants?
0: Um, the thing is that we're ultimately trying to offer value for money as well. So mm. we don't want to take out plants unnecessarily. We, we try and use what is there as long as the client likes it. Sometimes uh, they'll have a whole bed of something that we would like to reuse and, and they don't like that plant. So then we would remove it. But generally speaking, we try and reuse what we can mm. and then uh, obviously add in plants where it's needed. But the ultimate answer to that question is, is when you look at the before picture and the after picture and you see the transformation that, that's taken place and say, well, would it have been necessary to, to take out everything and start from the beginning or is it still an awesome looking garden? Mm. And ultimately, when it comes to the end result,
1: it's not always necessary to start from the beginning. Okay. So you can change the look and feel of a garden just by changing the inner space of the person's head. I'm sure. I know that sounds pretty peculiar. The first thing that people have to get their heads wrapped around is the fact that, yes, gardening does cost money. However, it doesn't cost as much as furniture. So why is there this almost antipathy of people towards taking the biggest room in their house and spending the least money on it to give them a space which they can use all year round? And, you know, it's kind of almost self-sustaining, a little bit of Spit and polish here and there and that's it. Why is there this, uh, I don't want to spend that much money on my garden. The thing is that I see it as spending. It isn't really spending as much as it is
0: investing. Mm -hmm. When you've got a a house that you've renovated and you've spent a lot of money on the the kitchens and the bathrooms, which is where people often spend their money, and those, if you look at the square meterage of those areas and the rand per square meter that you spend, bearing in mind the house in most cases existed before Mm -hmm. you did this, it's it's insane amounts of money per square meter. If you put that into your garden, you, you wouldn't know what to do with all the plants. It would be way too much in mm-hmm. terms of a budget. So with your average person, just looking at a garden doesn't always understand how much of an impact it makes if you have an awesome garden. If they go to someone's house, they see a nice garden, They'll, if they're not gardeners, if they're just your sort of average, average person, they'll see the, the nice picture in front of them, the nice mm-hmm. aesthetic. But they don't really realize that without that garden, how dismal it would look. So we've got before and after pictures on our website as well. And I've had people, when we posted on Facebook, and I had one lady tell me how it's illegal to put pictures of other gardens. And then <laughs> are you put serious? Up, yeah. And then I said to her, well, here are 20 pictures over the first week, second week, third week, picture for each week virtually. And then she came back, oh, uh, you're doing a very good job, thank you. <laughs> she didn't know what to say. <laughs> so, I mean,
1: there's that much so, of a change? Oh, yes. Uh,
0: if you look at the before and afters, when I show people, if we're ever at a trade show or when, when people mm. come to visit us out at our offices, Uh, At the plant farm, you can see they're looking to see similar things in both images and they're looking at the neighbors little pitch of his roof or something in the background, a tree in the background to confirm that it's not just a Photoshop image. And it's absolutely unbelievable, the difference. And that's just in the aesthetics. When it comes to using the place, it's even better. You have every occasion that you have from birthdays to Valentines to anniversaries to just your average Saturday braai becomes mm. something way more than what it was. It's not a question of having the braai in the corner of the garden. The poor person has to do the braai on their own, sort of isolated from everybody. Then as soon as the braai is finished, everyone back into the house, that's not the environment that we live in in South mm-hmm. Africa. We very much about outdoor lifestyle, even people who see themselves as people living indoors, spend a, a reasonable amount of time outside and it really is a nice environment to be sitting in your garden having a meal rather than a patio attached to the house. It's a completely different feeling.
1: Mm. I, I must say that there's a lot of houses that I go to and I love specific gardens because of the fact, I mean we have our own little kind of bride group, we talk about brine. and. The way that we use the people's space, because we go to different people's houses, and what we do in those spaces, one's got a huge boma out the back next to the swimming pool, and every single time, we're never in the house. Even in the middle of winter, we're out by the boma. And then you go to somebody else's house who's just got a fire pit, and everybody hangs out around the fire pit, so it doesn't matter. I mean, we're talking about quite big gardens and quite small gardens. So, I mean, what kind of... Costing. I know this is a thumb suck, but I mean, if you live in a little townhouse and you want to create something where people can sit with a fire pit, you know, outside, what kind of costing per square meter would you be looking at? I mean, just to give people an idea, even if they want to do something themselves, so they know what they're in for. So I wouldn't work it on a per square meter rate
0: because obviously, depending on the distance to site, that's going to vary drastically. Mm-hmm. If we're doing something down the road from us, or we're doing something exactly the same thing on the other side of town. So I would say, for us, we can do something. That'll be very nice. It's not going to be a massive amount of construction, but Mm -hmm. it'll it'll still be a very nice-looking little fire pit area. Uh, No built seating, but just areas for loose chairs Mm -hmm. and uh, a fire pit in the middle and some... We'd use gravel as a ground cover for the flooring to save on costs. You could get away with as little as fifteen, twenty thousand rand. Hmm. It doesn't have to be a massively expensive or costly exercise. I don't like the word expensive. It means you're not getting what you pay for. So, so be, but people still say oh,
1: fifteen, twenty thousand. Yeah. Then you sit and think, Well, what is the most expensive job that you've done? Ooh. Okay, come on. <laughs> spill the beans. We want to give you some kind of an idea of how you can go from like fifteen thousand to We've
0: done for two, three hundred thousand Rand for a built up space with that includes things like uh, f- uh, water features and sometimes a pool and so it's not just the fire pit. The mm. fire pit on its own, you could probably for a really high end, something with an overhead structure as well, a, a custom made overhead structure, you probably max out at about 150000 somewhere mm. there. But then that's something that's quite a lot for your average garden. Typically we have clients spending between probably forty and 60000
1: Which is actually very doable if you think about how much you're going to spend on redoing the kitchen. Oh, for sure, mm. absolutely, and you can also put it on your credit card.
0: <laughs> get miles to go overseas in December. Don't
1: know. You spend more to save more. Yeah. I'm still trying to get my head around that particular thing, but there is the strange thing that people just don't get that for that little amount of money, and it is a little amount of money. Okay. Well, you're talking about a cheap house
0: is is a million rand upwards. Yeah, you don't get a lot in the property market nowadays. So if you're spending forty thousand on a million rand house, it's insignificant. Mm. And it's something that adds value to the house. So when you sell it, you should get that money back plus extra because for someone to replace that, the materials have gone up, the labor's gone up, Mm. the transport costs have gone up. So to install that same thing, whether it's a swimming pool or fire pit area, any kind of garden construction, that pricing would have gone up. And same with the plants. The plants... Prices would have gone up. So if you've got a nicely laid out garden and you wanted to let the new guy install the garden, he's going to start with small plants. Your plants are already big. Yes. And those new plants that are small are going to cost more because they're just simply inflation and delivery costs. So it always makes sense to get planting as soon as you can. The right time is always now. Mm. And the more your outdoor spaces relate to your lifestyle and the way you use your property, the better. We've designed from outdoor wine tasting areas, outdoor pubs, outdoor dance floors for a client in Bloemfontein. So we've done almost anything you can think of in a garden environment. Mm. And people don't realize how that can become part of the way you use your property. That... You don't spend all your time indoors because in your indoors, you're either watching TV or you're sleeping, really. Uh, mm. There's not much else. The odd person will have some woodworking equipment in the garage. But <laughs> other than that, you not, you don't easily find another room in the house that you
1: really use a lot and that other people can use with you. Well, actually,
0: you know what? You don't want everybody in the bathroom <laughs> with me. Thank you very much. No, <laughs> but that's a good point. If you think of not just the rand per square meter, but mm. the rand per square meter, and then you work out that over the, the amount of time spent in that area. Mm. In, in in your bathroom if, if you really enjoy showering and you're not gonna spend more than half an hour a day in that room. Well, hopefully not half an hour but in the shower. We're supposed no, to conserve conserving there, there water. No, there will be no water left. Yes. <laughs> uh, when you get home in the evening, you can comfortably spend a few hours in your garden. Mm. And it's a nice place to eat. We even had one of our clients where we weren't finished the, the installation yet. It was very much a building site. There was cement powder everywhere. It wasn't a place you'd want to go and necessarily sit down. Mm. And the client said every night since we basically got to the point of having the fire pit structure built and the seating, no finishes, no cladding, Mm. nothing, just the basic brickwork, they started having dinner out there. And he was so chuffed with this environment. He said, just phenomenal. They enjoy it so much. And that's exactly the thing. To sit indoors at a dining room table in a sort of more concrete environment versus outside where you've got different sounds from water to birds, the leaves rustling, Mm. it's a completely
1: different environment. I'll tell you what, I'm thinking about the return on investment being probably better than anything else that you can put into your property. But the one thing you were saying about size, you know, the plants are getting bigger. That's another thing that people have a problem with. And that's why with your particular company, I mean, you do what a fly-through on your computer yeah. show-off. And you can actually see how big plants will get when we they're show, actually in the picture.
0: We do to a degree. So the, the design that you're talking about is one of our 3D designs. Mm. So that's uh, one of the design types that we offer. But with the planting, it shows you're more or less because not all the plants are represented in the 3D environment. But mm. it does give you an idea of the look and feel of the end result, and then because we animate them, if there's water, like a water feature, you'll see the water flowing. If there's a fire, the fire flickers away. So it's very, very realistic. And because it's a video walkthrough or fly through, it really shows you different perspectives of the space. It almost immerses you in that environment without yeah. having. It's a cheapest way of building, even though there's a design cost attached. It's, it's not uh, not as pricey as having to build
1: that. Well, you can just sit and look at it and think, "Oh, I could live in that garden. That's so nice." Yeah. Talking about that, apart from saying, "Well, people, you should." actually get somebody who knows what they're doing to come and design your garden for you. What is the best piece of advice that you would give to anybody who is wanting to start a new garden or upscale their old garden?
0: So we always talk about budget versus your wish list. It's important to have a wish list, so you might want to have a fire pit area, you might want to have a water feature, you might want to have a mini forest in the one corner, and then all the different elements of the garden in terms of aesthetics. So you might want more greens and blues and not so many reds, whatever it might be. Put that together, and then you start attaching a cost to each of those elements.
1: And work out what you can do first.
0: And don't work out what you can afford now work out the entire project and you can it's a thing of time Mm. it's a garden isn't as much as people like to think is an instant garden even an instant garden will grow and mature and look better in time so rather try and work out what is it that you want if you try and take what money you have available now and spread it out over your entire wish list you're going to compromise on absolutely everything and compromise by definition means it's not what you wanted in the first place Why would you do that? If you spend 10,000 Rand on your garden and it's a wasted exercise, you would never throw away 10,000 Rand. But effectively, by not sticking to your wish list and not compromising or by compromising, you are essentially throwing that money away. Mm -hmm. However, that 10,000 Rand that you've got now, you can quite easily maybe do your front door area perfectly the way you want it. And as long as you're following the formula of your future garden plan, the blueprint for the whole garden, as you come into more money, you win some money on the lotto or we wish <laughs> someone leaves their wallet in your car, <laughs> like we
1: wish. <laughs> you
0: then you just keep doing another phase, and yeah. there's no time limit. You can spend ten years installing your garden if you want to, but you don't Not compromise. These days,
1: everybody wants it yesterday. Come on, they, let's they be do. Real.
0: Generally speaking, they do until they see what it is that they can have yeah. going forward. And and if they were to compromise now. They're just not going to get what they have in their mind. And ultimately, they come to us because of the pictures that they've seen. And those pictures are not the El cheapo solutions. Uh,
1: Some of them were installed over time, but ultimately, there was no compromise. That's it. Don't compromise and also talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. So otherwise, just go and Google the friendly plant. In Johannesburg and get hold of them and just see what they can do. Go and check out their website. Craig, thanks so much for coming and chatting. Great. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll keep updating people with what you're up to as well. Great. Thanks a so right. We'll catch you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.